Shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode 17 of the Adventures in Tech Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew. And I'm Dan. And we are excited you are on this journey with us. As always, if you like the content, please help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. Now, the one thing I want to say, uh, Dan, before we get into what's going on in classrooms, is we are starting our new thing. So are you ready for my question this week? Nope. (laughs) All right. That's a negative, Ghost Rider. Well, you know, you wanted to, uh, you know, I think you said you wanted to dance last week. I did. So instead of sing. But here we go. So would you rather go to school all year and have one week off per month or go to school every day and have summer off like we currently do? You know, you can kind of like sprinkle in some other vacations and everything there because you know when you're going to be off. So what do you think? I... You know what? That's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, I think I just like the summer off. I I, I tend to agree with that. I think that I, I do like our format now. I, I do. What I would really like is a little bit shorter, maybe a week or so shorter for the summer, and get like a good chunk of time off right in the middle of winter. December or February? Either one. December, January, February. Give right us a good, there. like like a trimester. Okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. There's the vision. There's the vision. Because if I had an extended time off, I'd be heading out west. Colorado, there you just go. Just to go ski, <laughs> ski, ski. That's it. So that's our question, uh, you know, this week uh, for our Would You Rather. All right, so I know last week we had mentioned uh, it was so busy, we didn't have time to talk about uh, what's happening in classrooms. And there are a ton of things happening in classrooms. A lot of things have have already happened. Things are uh, kind of on the docket to happen. So uh, just to recap a few, we've had green screen trailers in first grade. Yep. Came out great with all nonfiction books. They were amazing trailers that these these students came up with. Uh, I loved them. I, I loved, loved them too. Them. And I was just filming some more this morning for because uh, we're working with an entire grade level. Yep. And, you know, just looking at, yeah, the kids are so excited because – you know, they, they get to film something in front of a green screen, create their own backgrounds. But the connection to their writing with producing a trailer as part of their, their writing to really focus on, you know, the main points of their introduction has been a great learning experience. It really made it real and authentic for them. And they really could relate to it because we kind of, you know, teased the whole fact and used trailers that they were aware of, uh, you know, with current films uh, that they were able to do. So, yeah, they really had a good time. A lot happening with that. Now, staying with the green screen screen, screen theme, we went into third grades with Persuasive. And that was great, too. That was. So, um you know, trying to convince your audience um, with your writing is great, but then to be able to verbalize it and then use other medium as your images to support was great. To um, film that all, put it in front of the green screen, curate it all in our favorite tool, Wakelet, yep. and then be able to share it with the community has been uh, has been fantastic. <laughs> so uh, I know we've talked a lot about now uh, podcasts. We have Number Talk podcasts, a lot in the math realm, but we also had the opportunity where – Fifth graders shared their viewpoints in a research-based argument uh, on select topics and their conversations, whether it be on uh, animal tricks, plastic bags, uh, sanctuary zoos, extreme Extreme sports, sports. like the the kids, they just 
took ownership of it and it blew my mind. Well, and you know, kudos to those teachers who, who really um, helped them organize everything. So the idea of podcasting came in, you know, conversations because we wanted to do something different from your typical classroom debate because um, we wanted to make sure all voices were heard and put it out there for for comment. And we really use podcasting for that. They came up with a great design template in order to present their information in a clear, concise way where they would go point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint in a very conversational nature. And I think they achieved their goals. We did our own little app smashing with it. So we used um, the recordings of the podcast and we wanted to find a platform where we can have other people comment. Yep. Um, So we came up with the idea of uploading those audio files to Flipgrid. And then allowing that space for further interaction. Right. The students are able to reflect in the Flipgrid. And the best part is, as we share this out uh, with the audience as a public product, it's curated where else? In Wakelet. Mm -hmm. And now uh, families and everybody can kind of hear the viewpoints and see what goes along with it. So a lot going on between now green screen filming and podcasts. And now we have other things on the horizon. We have first grade classrooms as part of, you know, different ones or more of the same as well, where we've kind of just started to think of the idea with our uh, ELA PD specialist, and we're taking green screens to a whole new level with, um, they do restaurant reviews. Mm -hmm. So the students are going to create their restaurant review based on whatever restaurant they want in the local area. And then we say, we're going to use the format of using a a Yelp review. Yeah. That's going to be, I can't wait to design the Yelp uh, template in Google slides. You know, that's going to be great. Yelp, Google. I mean, it's, I just can't wait. And then putting them all on one with all the classes again, we'll probably curate it, maybe a site, but if not, definitely, uh, you know, use Wakelet again and just be able to see all these kids' reviews of restaurants and, mm-hmm. and what their experiences are. I think it's just going to be fantastic. I'm and, super excited about and it. And we've really um, evaluated the way, reevaluated the way we're using Wakelet. So we're looking at um, creating these collections for buildings yep. um, by grade level so we can start showcasing all the uh, public products that different classes and students are coming up with because we're always looking for that authentic audience. So the beauty of Wakelet, as we've said over and over again, you know, riding that Wakelet wave um, is the adaptability of it. Being able to curate so many different sources and to be able to share it with many different um, groups and organizations and people is um, just kudos to the tool. It it really is user friendly and it is teacher and student friendly. Yeah. So a lot going on Uh, between that. uh, We have other podcasting uh, adventures coming up uh, for the students. Uh, We have kindergartners that are uh, kind of creating their own insect uh, as well using Jamboard. We're also recording books with uh, on fossils, mm-hmm. right? And then the younger grade levels are able to now be immersed into those books with not only did they use 3D pens to recreate and redesign the fossil that they were studying, but now they've also done all the research and they're tying it in with the audio components. So, so much going on, such good things going on in the classrooms. Am I forgetting anything? I'm sure I am. Of but. course. Yeah, um, as always. But I'm forgetting as well. So. That's it. All right, so uh, let's talk weekly wind-up news. Um, before mm-hmm. we go into um, uh, our good old, uh, one of our fan favorites, I should say, AJ Giuliani, we all know that we're seeing the wordle all over Twitter and everything <laughs> like that. And it's uh, you're laughing, but, you know, we, there's a lot of people that play this. And as we try to think of how can we bring the you know the, this into classroom, uh, there's a bunch of of avenues that you can go. Um, we have one with uh, My Wordle, 
dot uh, strive math where you get to make your own custom wordle and again you can also choose other languages spanish french german as well generate a link you can play a random word give this to your kids talk about an early uh you know uh, quick engagement mm-hmm. piece uh could be a vocabulary word for the week so uh you know definitely you can use that there's a uh, word dot rodeo which is another <laughs> one and you get to create your own custom word puzzle challenge your friends with them and and kind of mess with it it could be three to 15 letters mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's this whole uh, Canva presentation that we can share out that talks about using uh, Wordle and how to engage your students with Wordle and Wordle-like. That's it. Anything else for that, Dan? No, I think it's great. I have not jumped on the Wordle bandwagon yet. No, you're on the hurdle. But I'm on the hurdle. <laughs> for those of you that don't know Hurdle, check it out. Instead of words, it's music, and I'm a big fan. It's like name that tune. Right. I've, I, it, but in short pieces just like wordle so um yeah that i mean you got to know your music so dan's into that dj dan over here <laughs> right? living the glory days <laughs> all right so let's talk uh there's a lot uh that aj giuliani has has talked about recently um and i i saw something and i thought this comic of calvin and hobbs was great did you well, see this one yes i have and anything by calvin and hobbs is great True. So just to, just to set it up with, with this, it says, Calvin, your mom and I looked over your report card and we think you could be doing better. His response, but I don't like school. Why not? You like to read and you like to learn. I know you do. I mean, you've read every dinosaur book ever written. Sounds like your son. It does. And you've exactly. learned a lot, right? Reading and learning are fun. Yeah. So why don't you like school is the question. We don't read about dinosaurs. That's like the mic drop moment right it there. It is. So kids still love learning, but we have to meet them with what they need to. How do we create that content? You know, the standards are going to be met, but it's it's what resources and content you're going to use to have the students prepared for that. And I think that just kind of builds upon our last episode's conversation. You know, talk about choice boards, getting in more voice and choice. I mean, you're going to assess students on content. You're going to assess students on skill. Um, we don't always have to prescribe the way that they're definitely going to present their understanding or reach their understanding. So providing opportunities for students to find something that they're passionate about to delve into um, is definitely valuable. Now, it's it's a lot of work front-loading things for teachers. Sure. Um, but I think once you start thinking big picture, um, things start to fall into place. It takes a lot of practice, trial and error. You will crash and burn sometimes, but you will have those moments. Um, that will really work. So, you know, we talk about voice and choice, but another thing that just came to my mind is, you know, start looking at Genius Hour again, finding that opportunity in the week for students to pursue something that they're totally passionate about. So, well, remind me to put some links in the show notes about Genius Hour. Yeah. Um, But I think giving that time for that student exploration of passion projects, I mean, will definitely capture that intrinsic motivation to learn for students. Yeah, and, and, you know, the article also states how educators are forced into that tough spot between doing what they know works in learning, giving choice, Mm -hmm. inquiry, designing for creativity, uh, project-based learning, and doing what they believe they have to do in order to cover the curriculum, meet the standards, and prepare kids for those standardized assessments that we know do not predict predict student success. So. Uh, definitely think of these questions of will this activity lesson assessment content keep kids loving learning? Because they do love to learn, but we have to just kind of keep that as our essential question in the back of our mind. So um, so I want to talk about PBL. I mean, again, not, not as in-depth as we have 
uh, in the past. But I'm sure you've read this article, Dan, where did. Uh, we talk about PBL versus doing the same thing. The research is clear. And again, it's from AJ Giuliani. And there's a lot that he said in here, you know, where you're thinking like, okay, how are we, you know, we are all doing the same things over and over again. And, and how do we not take that research to support our Current practices, practices right? right? So here's the problem that 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 we, that AJ starts talking about. As many educators have been asking for this shift for a long time, some have just gone ahead and shifted on their own because they know PBL, PBL inquiry and design thinking puts kids in these learning situations where they can grow and achieve. And what AJ reiterates is there are too many people that want a s- school to stay the same. Even as many of us educators are shouting from the rooftops that things have to change, and I do think that coming out of the pandemic and everything, it's kind of shed a light on, like we've said, where education is going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this all comes, you know, about, there, there's some great links in the article um, that you can go through. Um, he references um, a professor and author, Scott McLeod, who, who wrote an article about this topic of doing the same thing and, and a lot of research in there. Um, but the one thing that he brings up, which I think is something that I, I want to look into the research is why do we never ask for the research to support our current practices? So, you know, there, there's so many things where, where we think where people just want school to say the same. It, it's something that they're familiar with. They're comfortable. And it's a model that we've always move, done it because this way. we've always done it this way. But you know, those of us that are in the classrooms every day and looking at, at the needs of our students and everything that's happening. And as Andrew previously mentioned, lessons learned from the pandemic pandemic, you know, it, Educators have realized, like, we need to be able to adapt. We need to be able to be to reach more students in different ways, um, provide multiple means of engagement, provide multiple means of demonstration, provide multiple means of understanding. Um, and to do that, you know, you really look at, you know, how do you change your instructional design um, to meet the needs of more learners? And I think that the integration of technology in meaningful ways um, will allow for those visions of student voice, choice, PBL to be more attainable. You know, working in that static, you know, classroom, that, that throwing it back to that blockbuster model, right? Yep. Where you, you're reliant only on the things that are in front of you at the time um, really is a challenge for teachers that would want to, you know, broaden horizons in their instructional design for their students. But, you know, using that technology, moving over to that streaming model, um, will allow more flexibility for teachers. And I think it will also ease the burden of them as they get into, you know, presenting in this model. Um, I think it, it will save them a lot of time that can then be better spent working in small groups and working with individual students. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, Dan, about Genius Hour and, you know, continuing on with this conversation, the research behind PBL Genius Hour and and Choice in the Classroom, which is kind of tying in everything that we've kind of touched base on over the last few uh, few weeks, is he talks about how he experimenting with the Genius Hour in the 20% time and how he's just fascinated by what the research has shown that this history of the practice in education in the business world is really innovation in the classroom Mm -hmm. and 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 it's really much more uh beneficial for the students because they're getting and this is what parents i think really want is they want to see these kind of learning experiences for their students instead of you know always tying it to some test some final assessment some exam whatever it is but we know that 
the choice and inquiry-driven learning will increase student engagement and and achievement, which a lot of people want to see, you know, above us. That mm-hmm. we were, you know, boots. We're the boots on the ground. They want to see that. Exactly, and you know, I just started remembering. I first got turned on to AJ, AJ Giuliani probably seven, eight, nine years ago when I first started looking at Genius Hour in the classroom, and he was one of my early resources um, for bringing that in. So he's definitely. I think I've grown along with some of the things he's doing right along with him. But uh, Genius Hour is something that can definitely be incorporated in small little chunks as well in your classroom to, to um, definitely inspire your students and uh, give, give Calvin, <laughs> as we saw in the comic, yeah. um, that opportunity to pursue something that he really likes. Yeah, and there's a whole research thing. We'll link it in the show notes. The Buck Institute for Education put it out on PBL in the 21st century. Uh, competencies that states project-based learning has been shown to yield a number of benefits for students ranging from deeper learning of academic content to stronger motivation to learn engagement, right? Mm -hmm. Looking specifically at how the PBL supports those 21st century learning goals. We can find several promising areas, including academic achievement, uh, the 21st century competencies, equity, motivation, and teacher satisfaction. So, uh, you know, and, and everybody's like, well, what do I do instead of a test performance tasks, project-based approach? Absolutely. And you know, you know, you have those tests, and, and I think they're still always going to be there, and they're still going to be a, a, right. an, an important part. Absolutely. Um, and we're always, I mean, I think we're always going to have some sort of standardized test. That, Agreed. But, you know, we teach our students to be thinkers. Um, that will help it. And the thing that, you know, you, what do we do instead of tests? You know the standards. You know the skills. You know the content. You know, give them opportunities for, for performance assessment to be able to demonstrate their understanding in those areas that go far beyond just a multiple choice or essay test. Um, and I think by, you know, coming up with rubrics, defining or working as a group in your class to define some performance assessments um, together would be really valuable and it would demonstrate much deeper levels of understanding that are connected to real world experiences. Right. And of course, authentic tests are, are relevant and meaningful. Yes. So uh, before we go into the focus of this episode, I just want to mention, you know, we could go on and on about A.G. Giuliani and PBL and everything we were just talking about. However, I want to mention Go Guardian real quick. Uh, I know we're kind of piloting it in our district. I know a lot of districts use it. Um, but there's a great article on how to introduce Go Guardian to your students for, you know, for the teachers. And, uh, you know, again, people are like, well, what is Go Guardian? Students may have experience with it, but it's really, uh, you know, something that allows you to see the platform allow- allows you to better support all the students in the class so we can remove distractions, check for understanding, connect with them directly in chat to check in, answer questions. You can annotate their screen. You know, there's always that that one or two uh, students in a classroom that ha- that are shy. Right. They don't want to ask that question. Maybe they don't understand, but then they go home and they have those questions. And if your digital space is set up, then they can ask those in that comfortable space. But if it's not, at least GoGuardian now allows you to annotate directly in front of them while they're in that one-to-one environment in the classroom. So we'll, we'll put, I mean, there's a ton of information in here, um, but I think it's it's something valuable to, to kind of mm-hmm. check out uh, as we move forward, uh, you know, with a lot of the schools uh, that are going to the one-to-one environment. Sounds good. All right, Dan, we want to talk SAMR. We do want to talk SAMR. I've been 
I've been itching to talk about this for a while. And we do have, uh, of course, uh, something from Matt Miller uh, regarding uh, SAMR and specifically the redefinition level. But as we talk about what is SAMR, and when we say SAMR, it's S-A-M-R. It's the four uh, levels of of education, so to speak. And we can talk how they relate to blooms, and we can give you uh, a graphic for that as well. But just to kind of let you know uh, the, the background of it, it's substitution, augmentation, modification, and redefinition. Right. So, you know, SAMR is not something new. It's been around for a while. And there's other other methods, too. Um, But basically, it's a tool for effective technology integration. So, you know, you're looking at technology not just to do technology, but to have specific purpose um, for why you're choosing to use it for certain things in your classroom. Um, The idea came up, came by by a gentleman, Dr. Ruben Puentadora, and he Ooh, came. You got that right. I did. I've <laughs> said his name many, 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 many times. I'm probably still saying it wrong. But, Ain't that a wordle? Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, back on the rails. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> like has been. We've we've never been on the rails. Um, but you know, when you're looking at technology integration, um, you really. You, I mean, you really want to have a method to decide, you know, what, what am I getting out of using this technology? Um, is it beneficial for the student learning? And, and, and I think it really all comes down to that. So you look at this model to kind of reference your, your classroom design, and SAMR is the acronym. So there, there's four levels of technology integration. There's substitution, augmentation, modification, and redefinition. Um, so... As you're looking at these different levels, uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 a scale, but it doesn't mean that every part of the scale is wrong. Like if you're Correct. if you're on some substitution things, that's OK. But you constantly want to be moving to the upper end of the scale for redefinition. Yeah, so push that pebble forward, push that pebble forward, take that snowball, make it into a uh, an avalanche. Um, but, you know, substitution where text acts as a direct tool substitute with no functional change. So that's simply, you know, taking a worksheet that students would do on paper and then making that worksheet digital, whether making it a Google Doc where students answer it or PDF, a PDF, and then students open it in a third party application like Cami in order to to do that. That, that, That's a simple substitution. Um, And you have to look at it like, is the technology making this a better learning experience for my student? Some cases it will be. You know, then you have archived digital files of all the different things, but recognizing that really there's no functional change in learning right. by using that that substitution method. Right. And, and they say between those two levels, so substitution and augmentation, in augmentation, tech acts as a direct tool substitute with functional improvement, like you were just mentioning. And they kind of group those together as just enhancement. Right. You know, it's not it's not making it into transformation, which is those those next two levels. So as we, we look at the next two levels of SAMR, um, the M is modification. So that's where your technology allows for a significant task redesign. Um, and then you have redefinition where tech allows for the creation of new tasks previously un- inconceivable. Um, so as we start looking at those levels, it's using that technology to make something that otherwise was either overly challenged challenging in the classroom to to pull off it makes it more of a reality because you're able to redesign the tasks and the and the methods which students are learning so one of the um you know you look at modification with technology one thing that is a great example 
is built-in choice boards yep. for students uh, of using the technology to create voice and choice with the supporting resources to go along with it. Yeah, and Matt has a whole slew of uh, examples of 10 ways to reach Samer's redefinition level, that highest level. Um, so, for example, just a couple of his ideas for reaching that is a cultural exchange, you know, between, you know, uh, he was a foreign language teacher, between him and a teacher in Spain, and then they can pair up. And we, we, we forget now the, the world is at our fingertips because of webcams and everything in almost every classroom, um, you know, so you really have that global perspective, public blogs, uh, e-books, uh, Twitter writing, sketch noting, which we talked about. Um, Nearpods, Google Apps, you know, the paperless classroom, you know, uh, getting all that, you know, in regards. So there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, get to Samer's redefinition level. And again, we say check out check out uh, Matt's uh, information, you know, that he's putting out. There's a lot of uh, bloggers out there mm -hmm. that are sharing uh, just just good practices and ideas on how you can actually uh, apply Samer model and, and reach that highest level. The other article, uh, you know, which we always, you know, want to kind of come back to is is uh, from uh, Peachy Publications, right? Right. And uh, applying SAMR model in the ELT classroom. Uh, I didn't go read this fully, fully in depth because there was a lot of links, and then I just went down a rabbit hole like normal. But right. you you put this in here, Dan, in our notes. I did, and you know, it, it just kind of brings up some more examples of what modification and re redefinition could look like and it takes you through a variety of steps to do it um but you know as you, as you look through it and you think about okay look at all these different mo you know things i should be striving for you should be striving for redefinition at some point in your classroom of using technology in order to redesign the learning environment so you're thinking about all right how do i get there what kind of things do i put in place how do i do this and it really comes down to um focusing on your digital learning space just as much as your physical learning space. So, you know, you want to be able to use that digital space to support the space in your classroom. Right. And, and that's where really where the redesign comes in because essentially you're able to provide more opportunities for the students using technology in order to collaborate, to, to think critically, to move them up to various levels of um, Bloom's taxonomy. I mean, I, I'll have to bring up that graphic again, but um, if you look at that basic substitution augmentation level, you're not really pushing students higher up in their cognitive thought. You know, it's, it's a simple replacement, but by pushing them into the modification and redesign, um, it really is hitting on higher level thinking. Yeah. And when you relate it to the uh, Bloom's taxonomy, the learner and SAMR, we talk, so substitution is kind of the basic where the learner accesses information in a different way. But as far as the Bloom's level, it's the remember, understand, and some applying, right? Mm -hmm. And then as you move up, same thing, augmentation has some remember, understand, applying, but it's more intermediate where the learner adds or manipulates predetermined content. Uh, so that'd be applying and analyzing. When you get to the modification and the redefinition level, you're now analyzing, evaluating, and creating, and it's the advanced where the learner creates original content. So as SAMR is relating to uh, the learner and Bloom's taxonomy, it's a clear image that we can share so you can kind of see the pieces and how they flow. And, and when you look at the pieces and how they flow, that advanced level of Bloom's where students are analyzing, evaluating, and creating – 
Um, that's really where the redefinition of technology comes in to allow students to have these opportunities. So, you know, you, we look at previous episodes of this podcast, it's all about students being creators and not consumers. So if we go through the lens of what are the students creating, um, we're going to push that to that upper level of SAMR and those upper levels of Bloom. So everything, the work we do with PBL, um, the work we're, you know, we're, we're currently doing where students are creating authentic products, um, that's redefining the learning space for students. Yeah, Choice Boards is a great example of that as well, which we will get back to. I know we said we're going to, but we have a lot more information regarding that as well. But understanding the paradigm of SAMR can really help us as educators to kind of analyze uh, the way we're using technology, to think about how we can evolve the way we use it from the more superficial substitution type tasks to those ones that redefine the way the students will interact with content, each other, and the teacher. And we now know more and more districts are going to the one-to-one model where technology is more accessible. It's not like, oh, it's, you know, we only have one device for every six students or whatnot. Those numbers have significantly decreased where it is more accessible. And as we apply the technology and in, into these tasks as we continue to evolve our teaching and good practices. We now have that at our fingertips as a resource. So if we understand the paradigm, it'll help us evolve for how our students will get the concepts they need to learn. Exactly. So I know we're yep we're running uh, short on time. Yep. Um, and. I'm going to make sure I don't get on my soapbox because <laughs> Andrew's about to kick it out from underneath <laughs> me. But, you know, if you're at a, you, you can do a lot of uh, self-reflecting and see where you are in that SAMR model. And if you see, find that you're in the substitution and augmentation, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, you know, I'm here. I'm never going to be there. Um, it's something just to be aware of. And as you start integrating those tools, how is it going to impact the learning? Um, and, and just seriously think about that. Like, so if you're doing a straight substitution, is it really better to have students open up a PDF file on a computer and annotate it with a third party thing? I mean, am I getting any instructional benefit out of that? And if you are, maybe, maybe you should stick with it. If you're not, well, maybe, maybe that substitution isn't quite worth it at that point, because it might be too time consuming and you're not getting to what you really need to for your students by by that substitution. Right. So I think we're going to wrap up, as you mentioned, Uh, before we do so, uh, I always, I've been forgetting the last couple of weeks and Dan's going to be like, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Swag. So if you want a sticker, if you you want a sticker, right, there's going to be a form to fill out uh, and you can uh, let us know where to send your sticker uh, and we will send you an Adventures in Tech sticker uh, since is it, you're is supportive it, listener. Is it the fancy ones? Well, we have a bunch of them. You know, uh, maybe we'll do some raffles for some keychains as we wrap up uh-huh. season one. Um, you know, because we do have some of those as well. But stickers first. Stickers first. We'll get the stickers out. Everybody loves a sticker, right? Who doesn't love a sticker? Our computers are covered with stickers. I love stickers. Yeah. So uh, we will uh, we'll we'll send uh, that'll be in the in the show notes the form the Google form to fill out and we can definitely send you a uh, Adventures in Tech podcast sticker that you can slap wherever you need to. We might so, we might need some badges too. Yeah, we can do that. Well, we've talked about that. That that stay tuned for that. All right. <laughs> 
So uh, we're going to wrap up episode number 17 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. Of course, as always, once again, thank you for all your support, listening on all the platforms, leaving us those reviews, and sharing it with everybody. This has been great where we've Mm -hmm. seen people all over uh, the world checking out the podcast. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out. Tech Card, work smart, live in adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.